Good evening, baseball fans. This is the Braves Rave Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves and Major League Baseball. I'm joined this evening by two of my good friends, Chase and Samuel. Chase, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty dandy. Samuel, how about you? Uh, nothing to nothing to cry about today. I'm doing good. That sounds pretty sad. Okay. <laughs> so, um, this is a new podcast, and we're going to be trying to do episodes weekly. And each week, we'll be talking about the Atlanta Braves, all three of our favorite baseball team. We're going to give some updates from around Major League Baseball, talk about some notable events that happened around the sport. We're going to do some team builds based on certain criteria. And finally, we'll end each podcast with a weekly list of players with a certain criteria. So, we'll this week we'll be looking at, like I said, the current state of the Braves. We'll look at National League East standings. This week's team build is players who are six foot three or taller. And finally, this week's list is seven underrated players in the game of baseball. And uh, I think we're all going to be – at least try to be pretty unbiased here. I know we're all Braves fans, but I, I think that's a good goal to have. Right, try our best at it. I agree. Yes. Um, there's a certain third baseman who is six foot three or taller who may be on both lists, but um... – I think we can all agree <laughs> on that one. I think at any, we can as well. At any rate, so let's start out with some Braves talk. So, at the current time of recording this, the Braves are nine and ten, one game under five hundred, and it's not going to get worse because there's a rain delay tonight. So, sadly, you know what that means: doubleheader tomorrow. And a stupid seven, seven innings. <laughs> it's ain't little league. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Right. That, oh, gosh. But anyway. Right. Samuel, you mind uh, giving us your take on the brave start to the season? Yeah, I mean, obviously one thing that has really stood out to me besides the uh, the under 500 record is, is the injuries. It seems like every other day somebody's going down. I mean, it started off with, you know, Soroka's shoulder inflammation, then it just went downhill from there. I yeah, agree. And, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chase. No, you got it. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay. No, I agree with that <laughs> entirely because I remember me and Dexter talking, and we were excited because Soroka was getting them back up on the mound to uh to pitch and just some bullpen sessions and stuff like that. And then, bam! I get the at bat notification one day, and it's right shoulder discomfort and inflammation, and uh, day by day, no really no telling when he'll come back. So. Yes, uh, to end spring training with, I think he had a two-inning performance in a seven-inning game in the last game of spring training. He looked great. That was, a, that was a really great sign because, one, it went off without a hitch for the most part. But then, you know, he he didn't seem uncomfortable. Plus, like, he would, he'd lay on his foot, he'd drive, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't, like, flinch or anything. So, that was a good sign. But that may have, may have, meant that he is throwing with more of his shoulder now. So maybe that's why his shoulder is hurting. But I mean he's had some shoulder problems in the past if you remember he went on the sixty day DL back in I believe it was twenty nineteen. It was twenty eighteen. Yeah. One of those. So this isn't something new for him, but you're right, it may have been, you know, aggravated 
by him throwing maybe a little bit differently. I don't know. It could just be something something else, but that's just I speculation. Think, I do think that you're on to something there, Samuel, because I think um, with the right Achilles rupture, that's obviously his driving foot when he pitches. Mm-hmm. And um, it could be with when he was towards the end of his rehab, it was still kind of – it was still kind of a – uh, injured, or I guess you could say, for lack of a better term, he was still kind of tentative on it, and so he was making it up with upper body and not driving as hard off that right leg, and then that could have just thrown some things out of whack in the shoulder. I could definitely yeah, see that. That's un- that's really unfortunate because you don't want to, you don't even want one injury, not to mention that something being compounded on top of something else because of the original injury. But Soroka has just had the 2019 season, and that's his only fully healthy season so far, unfortunately. But unfortunately for the Braves altogether, he is not the only one injured right now. Yeah, I think oh, no. another another guy who, like, is really going unnoticed, his injury is really hurting us, is Chris Martin. Because yes. last year he was a shutdown guy for side of the pin. And we all know we have some capable lefties, but – him being that power righty out of the pen who can come in and get outs, I think we're really missing that this year. Absolutely. I agree because um, we were to me and Dexter were talking about his stats before the season started because we we're so excited about this bullpen this year, and um, and because his numbers from last year were just pulling great. Really, I mean, granted, small sample size and everything, but he was in a struggling uh, bullpen of last year. He was the standout. And also on the shelf is Max Freed. He was without a doubt our ace last year, after especially after Soroka went down. And he, I'm not gonna lie, he wasn't that great to start the year, but now he's he's got hurt running the bases, and he strained his hamstring. And that I don't even want to talk about how unfortunate that is, especially having the DH last year. So. Not only do our pitchers have to hit this year, they also have to run the bases. And now, our arguably our ace is injured because of that. You got to wonder how much pressure he felt coming into the season after being that ace last year. Mm-hmm. You know, last year was such a rush. I don't think he really had time, or anybody really had time, to think about what was going on. And then he has all off season to hear the pressure of him being the ace until Soroka returns of carrying this staff on his back and being the opening day starter. And as a young guy, I mean, I know I'm sure he's, he's mentally composed, but that's got to take some sort of toll on you. I agree 100% because you talk about the, the pressure of last year. He came in fifth. A seven zero record and a two point two five ERA. That's just that's unbelievable. To be just completely honest, and then you come in, and everybody, you're the opening day starter, or was he opening day this year? He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, you're the opening day starter for the first time. Every and another one too. Two hundred sixteen ERA plus. That's unreal. And so he has all the weight of the world on his shoulder, and then. Damn, 2021 comes around and he just kind of flops a little bit to start his first three games. And he 
was one of the people a lot of people had on a list of people due for a regression. And I think that's only because of how good he was last year. Plus, he was young. And now, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to say he's regressed because, I mean, we've only seen a little. And now we've seen even less because he's hurt. But, I mean, all the pressure, like you were talking about, um, first opening day starter that was a lefty since 2002, Tom Glavin. You may have heard of him. In the franchise, anyway. Tom Glavin. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. But uh, that's a big name right there, Hall of Famer. Yep, one third of the big three. But um, another injury to a lefty is Sean Newcomb. It's not even really an injury. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't really give too many details about his air quoting here injury because it's probably due to virus exposure. So look to have him back. I mean. He's already been on the DL for like a week, maybe the next week, maybe less. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll see him soon. He'll be real good coming out of the pen. Yeah, because that's and the one place. Been. Yeah, because that's the one place he's always looked comfortable. Is like his numbers out of the pen are like just night and day different from him as a starter. Because I mean, shoot, you talk about last year in the playoffs last year, Sean Newcomb coming out of the bullpen, he was nothing short of unreal. Absolutely. And, I mean, you love to see. A lefty as big as him, and I know he says he wants to be a starter, but when you have that 97 from the left side with that hammer of a breaking ball that he has, that's a great two-pitch combo, especially following a righty like Soroka who's got that sinker. Mm -hmm. Then maybe this this hard four-seam 12-six combo would be tough for, for some of those batters to face. Right, because you go from trying to hit that sinker all game and then, bam, seventh inning comes around and it's just a flat, hard fastball. That's a, I mean, that's a adjustment in itself, right there. Not just, not only the fact that now he's a lefty instead of a righty, and he occasionally hits triple digits, so that's always nice. Very. Uh, bit of good news, we got Drew Smiley back off the DL, and he was supposed to start tonight, but as I mentioned earlier, we've got postponed to tomorrow, and he will start Game Two of a doubleheader tomorrow. So I'm excited to see him because he was probably one of the highlights of this offseason, I would say. In a in a pretty pretty slow offseason for the Braves, which is usually how it is every year. But exactly. He and was I a think, veteran yeah. lefty and I mean it's exciting. So Yeah, that's definitely Charlie Morton obviously I was I think I was the most excited about. And um uh-huh. but Drew Smiley, I mean he's he's proven that he can be a quality back in or even middle of the rotation guy that you can depend on for some solid innings. So I think once they get him back, that'll be that'll go a long way into stabilizing this rotation. And he had some good uh, advanced stats last year. His his K rate, I don't know what it was exactly. I just remember it was good. So yeah. let's hope we uh, His, his curveball was, statistically speaking, one of the best pitches in baseball last year. Right. So, And to round out the <clears throat> DL – Disable this, injured list, whatever. We're going to call it both, probably. It's the same thing. <laughs> but anyway, it's outfielder, Ender and Ziarte. Ender, he's a, he's a polarizing player. That's, to say the least. I mean, my goodness, just a week ago, everybody wanted his head on a stake. And, whew, jeez. Man, for some context here, we got Ender in probably one of the most lopsided trades in Major League Baseball history back in 2015, and 
he was our man. He was our guy. He's our starter center fielder in the rebuilding. All star gold glove. All star two hundred hit season, three time gold glove. He dazzled us in the outfield. He that he did. I mean, and he just something just kind of something just kind of fell off in the in the recent years, and it's, and it's just tall. sad to see. It's sad to see, honestly, because I mean, you look at. You look at because I remember Dexter, us two, we would always talk about Envin, mm-hmm. how much we loved him. And it got to the point last year where at the deadline, it looked like he might have been getting, or this might have been 2019, one of the two years, it looked like he might have been getting traded. And there was a part of us saying, yeah, it might be time for the Braves to, to just part ways with him. But there was also, I mean, I remember we ended up talking about it like, man, yeah, that's actually sad to see him go because he's not a career Brave, but I mean, shoot. Yeah, um, he had, if I'm not mistaken, four of the first first of the new ballpark. I believe it was the first hit, first home run, first run scored, and first out recorded. And, you know, things like that, it's like it makes you think that he's been a career brave. He's a he brave brave's history. He was only on the D-backs for like maybe well, a year and a half. And they obviously didn't be, think that might be generous, right? And yeah. they obviously didn't think much of him, like giving him to us with Dansby and Aaron Blair and that lopsided trade. And he's been he's been solid for us. And but anyway, you know, now he uh, he was fighting for a starting role in center field. He lost that battle, but he did make the opening day roster as the fourth outfielder. But now. He's injured. Unfortunately, yeah, he's going to have to go a long way to uh, to get some more playing time. But that uh, that's all we have for injuries. But moving away from the, from the negatives, let's look at what the Braves have done right this year. So uh, one of those big things I've seen is the defense. What do you see from there, uh, Dexter? <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, through nineteen games played this year, the Braves have the fewest errors in baseball, with only four. And I'm very proud to announce that because, I mean, even in the past few years, the Braves have been, when we've won divisions, I feel like our defense was not the best. You know, maybe the top half of the league at best. But in this 19-game sample so far, only four errors committed. I know we're only 9-10 and right now, but if you add up, if you add some more errors to our only four errors, we would be worse than nine and ten. I can guarantee you that. And to piggyback off that, the two, the three big things that stand out to me, or the three players, are Dansby, Austin Riley, and Marcelo Zuna. Because even though Marcelo Zuna mm-hmm. won that Gold Glove in 2017, everybody knows he's not the best fielder in the world, but by no means is he the worst. So I think he's done well holding up there. And I remember in Dansby's, Dansby's younger years, for every just play that he made that was a web gym, you're like, oh, my gosh, he would have one where he'd just boot a baseball. Mm-hmm. And then Austin Riley, I think um, I think he's done a great job at third base because going back to 2019, uh, we were talking about this the other day, um, Josh Donaldson only has 28 uh, career defensive run saves. And uh, 15 of them, or no, 18 of them came in 2019 at the Braves. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, only two third basemen had 
a higher DRS than that, and it's pretty easy to guess, but it's Nolan Arenado at one and Matt Chapman at two. So we had a very, very solid third baseman defensively in 2019. And to see now up to 21 that we only have four errors and we don't have anything major, like any glaring weakness with those three players, with having to replace a great one and Dansby growing up and uh, Marcelo Zuna just being solid in left field, I think that's huge and to just applaud them. Yes, and um, Austin Riley showed off his athleticism in 19 because that offseason when we signed Josh Donaldson, he probably took that as a slap in the face because he was probably next in line to play third base. I know he was for sure, but then we got Josh Donaldson, and then they asked him to play some left field, and he played a good amount of games in left field when he was like setting the league on fire in 2019. Yeah, having I mean, his bat in the lineup was just huge. Yeah, I mean, the Braves having played Matt Adams in left field and Austin Riley, like <laughs> you said, about defense in the past years, that's something that uh, is kind of amazing to me looking back. But now Austin Riley's playing a great defensive third base. And back on Dansby Swanson, last year he was second in the National League in defensive war at 1.3 in only 60 games. So him, he has come so far in his defense. Right. And, you know, rounding out the infield, Ozzy and Freddie. Unfortunately, Freddie does have one of those errors. But Freddie, he could win the gold glove every year. And even the year he won it, he split it with Rizzo. He is just one of the most underrated players defensively at first base. Not to mention last year he won the Rawlings, uh, the Rawlings glove for – Defense. I don't know the exact name of it in all of the MLB, but somehow fell short in NL Gold Glove for first base. Yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, Christian Walker from the Diamondbacks on it. That could be <laughs> that's a, that's a major snub right there. I mean, <laughs> Christian Walker is a good defender, mm-hmm. and I mean even an elite defender as he is to win a Gold Glove. But Freddie should have won that. One hundred percent. And then there's also like I mentioned, Ozzy. He's a he's a beast, <laughs> and you know he's he should have probably won a Gold Glove by now if you know someone named Colton Wong didn't exist. But he's just a stereotypical five foot eight. He's a short second baseman, and he's he's fantastic over there defending. Fast as lightning, quick as a cat, and knows, and he's got that great glove. I mean, that's all you can ask for out of a second he's, baseman. Yeah, he's got great hands. I mean, you, you rarely see him boot one. So that's that's definitely a great thing to have behind you as a pitcher. So switching gears to offense, another plus this year, the Atlanta Braves are second in team OPS. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Plus number two, the team's OPS is fifth in the majors, and that OPS is 747. Yeah, I mean, you see the major league offense is kind of down this year. So far, I think the, the average OPS in the league is like 701 or something. But right. the Braves, that hasn't been a problem for them. Uh, what we'll get to later, the big problem for them has been some inconsistency in the pitching staff. But the offense has really not been a problem other than the first series against the Phillies. And to think about it even more about that, the OPS for the Braves is 747. And the Braves have the highest hard-hit baseball percentage in the majors but at one point they were 13th in the national league in uh, runs scored 
while having the highest uh, hard hit percentage in all of baseball. So they have that good of an OPS, and to be quite frank, they've been unlucky. And that's kind of scary for other teams. Exactly. We've been hitting the ball on the screws, and it's going – it's fine at gloves, and that's just unfortunate. But that will come around. And a big part of this OPS so far has been, obviously, OPS being on-base plus slugging percentage. It's how good a team can get on base and how many extra base hits they have. And the Braves are second in homers in the league with 28 and fifth in walks. So – we're getting our pitches. We are, you know, we're taking our walks when we get them, and we're scoring runs. And we're, we're doing damage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you'll, I don't think it'll show up much in the batting average. Like I know Freddie Freeman at one point this year had like he was batting in the high one hundreds, but his OPS was up in the nine hundreds because he hit so many bombs. And, and you're seeing, you're seeing a lot of that from from Braves guys this year. You are, and then going back to the uh, the how much we're walking. I mean. Austin Riley's had two very, very good games that have helped his average out immensely back to back. But um he's right now he's only batting a two fifty five, but he has a three eighty two OBP. So I mean, that's just an attestment to how many times he's getting walked and it's not just walked, sorry, it's not just him. I mean, in the in the Marlins series, I wanna say, it might have been the Yankees. I'm pretty sure it was the Marlins series. Um, the last two games of it, Ronald Acuna only had five at-bats because in the second-to-last game, he had three walks, and in the last game, he had two. So, I mean, that's five walks in a two-game span to one person. Sounds like Barry Bonds to me. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) And Acuna is literally probably – he's definitely first in homers. He could be first in walks on the team also. Uh, He's first in – I bet Freddie's first in walks. You're probably right. And Austin, I bet he is Austin's too. probably sneaking up on Acuna too. Yeah, I mean, speaking of Austin Riley and Acuna, we have a great crop of young players going right now. You're absolutely not about that. There is a youth movement, and with every year, there's a graduating class of prospects. And during the rebuild, we would have great drafts, great international signings, and you know they kept on. Now they're all major leaguers, and now. Our farm system is looking kind of, kind of like low, but I mean, because everybody's growing up, it feels like, and that's a good problem to have. Recycling the farm system, but uh, the Braves' top four in WAR, that is wins above replacement, have an average age of twenty three point two five. My goodness! So, so you're saying twenty three years and ninety two days, roughly? That's unreal. Quick math. <laughs> I'm going to fact check on that, but you're probably correct. That's right. Real fast to go back on to the walks, what y'all are talking about. So, Freddie's number one at 16. Marcel's number two at 12. Ronnie is number three at nine. And Austin Riley's number four at eight. Yeah. That's a we'll – take what we can get. That's pretty walks. solid for, yeah, for Riley. Yeah. He used to have a K rate way up in the clouds. <sighs> And he, he has to be totally flipped the script. With Talking his, about a guy who's who's been improving so much, like like Austin Riley, flipping the script is Waskar right now, man. I mean, he's he's insane this year for the Braves. Yes, uh, Waskar and Austin Riley are tied with zero point five WAR. Anderson is zero point eight WAR. He's in second, and obviously Ron Acuna is in first with one point two WAR. 
But oh, getting back right. to yeah, no, yeah, getting back to Waskar, you know, he has been. I think he kind of got you know disrespected at the start of the year because we were going to go with a four man rotation and have every fifth day be a bullpen game. He was going to be the opener, but now he is like established himself as our fifth starter. He is dealing. He has been. I mean, and because I remember that first game sitting there thinking, man, I wonder, they keep calling it a bullpen game. We'll see how this turns out. And then he gave us, was it six innings and only one run, or was it scoreless? He's done done six innings and one earned run a lot of times. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it was just unbelievably solid. And an interesting development so far with Enola has been his games with Alex Jackson. I think um, I think Alex Jackson has been his catcher three times, but either way, Enola has an ERA of two point two five with Alex Jackson as his catcher. What's unfortunate about this is Alex Jackson has been awful at the plate. I'm sorry, I, I just don't think he's cut out to be a major league hitter, but. You know, like something in him as a catcher and as a defender, and that's something you really can't replicate. I, I mean, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like um, I'm blanking the catcher that foolish baseball goes crazy over. Jeff Mathis. Jeff Mathis. Yeah, Jeff Mathis. I mean, Jeff Mathis. He's if you look at his OPS plus and all that, he's arguably the worst hitter that the majors have ever seen. But if it does not lie. Whenever he's in a battery, he makes pitchers better. And sometimes it just comes down to being comfortable. So if if he's just more comfortable with Alex Jackson, I mean, like you said, Samuel, that's just something you can't get rid of. Clayton Kershaw and Austin Barnes comes to mind. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a big Austin one. Barnes 100%. Is, I mean, he's a better hitter than Alex Jackson, but – He's not the best, you know. He's no Will Smith, you know. He's no Will Smith, exactly. Not the brace closer, but, you know. And yeah. also not the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, Jackson – here's the thing about Jackson, specific to last night. Jackson went 0 for 3 with three strikeouts and a walk. I'll take a walk from him. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but with what we lost with Alex Jackson in the lineup, Waskar Noah picked up the slack last night. Facts having two hits, including a double and his first career hit and first career RBI. And you know, he's not swinging it like the Grom, but boy, if Noah could, <laughs> he's hitting, hitting it like Grom. Yeah, you know what? Like his his double had a exit below of like 110. That's the highest in the Statcast era from a pitcher. For the Braves. <laughs> For the Braves. Okay. Well. But, yes, he is, he was stroking the ball last night. And, I mean, he was he just put the Braves on his shoulders and said, here, let me carry you. That was that was really fun to watch. And, like I said, if he could keep up the keep up the good work and hit better than his battery mate, then I'll take Alex Jackson in the lineup. So, I also heard – I heard uh, one, one more interesting little tidbit I heard – you know, yeah. quoted as saying he thinks his last hit came in Little League. So. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's good, then. We'll take it. Absolutely. But one last thing on this youth movement. Um, so, tomorrow at 120, in the first of the doubleheader, we have Bryce Wilson. And, you know, Bryce struggled last year. 
And then I told Ooh, Dexter. I don't know. Um, did he not? I thought he had a, a couple little bit of struggles last year, like in the regular well, season. Well, he came up big when we needed him. Um, exactly. Because uh, yeah. that's, um, that's what I was going to get to. That one game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I remember I texted Dexter and I said, I don't know, man. I just have a good feeling about Bryce Wilson and outdueled Clayton Kershaw. And this year, Bryce has been. This year, Bryce has been very, very reliable in twenty in twenty twenty one. I mean, it's nothing great, but he has one start and a three point six ERA, and that's in six innings pitched and two strikeouts. So, I mean, if you can give us that every time and be a four or five guy in the rotation, thank you, sir. I'll take it every day. And I, I do think Wilson um, is going to be probably, you know. You know, if our if our starting pitching woes continue, I think Wilson will be the next guy up. Obviously, he's starting tomorrow, but like he's going to be on uh, speed dial from Gwinnett. I do believe. I do. But um, one last positive because we can't stay too positive here because we're pretty negative sometimes about the Braves. But <laughs> our my plus number four I have is the Braves' ability to take runs any way we can get them. So we are tied for first with eight sacrifice flies, tied with the Phillies for first. And you know, ideally, you don't want to give up an uh, an out for a run because that's a win for the defense in the long haul. But also, I'd rather score sack fly than leave a guy at third with less than two outs. I know that's the truth. A sack fly is better than a strikeout. That's the truth. A run is a run is a run. That is right. How do you win games? You score runs. How do you score runs? <laughs> By the Nick Marcakis special. That's right. Fun, oh, fun fact, he had 73 career sacrifice flies and led the league in sacrifice flies with 10 in 2009. That's what I'm talking about. Nick Marcakis, if you're listening to this, we miss you. and We hope you're enjoying your retirement. We Yes, yes, yes. Very much so. So now on to a few negatives. We only have a few. And I think we've kind of talked about some negative things as far as injuries, but another negative we've had so far is our overall production from our catchers. So the combined average from Travis Arno and Alex Jackson so far has been 167, and the combined OPS is 451. Ouch. So <laughs> I mentioned the list of guys who were uh, on track for a uh, regression so Travis Darno is on that list as well because obviously he went crazy last year, won in the Silver Slugger at the catcher position in the National League over some guy named JT Realmuto. No, so, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So Travis Darno, I was very excited when we signed him in the offseason of 19, and I loved him last year. I, I love him now, but oh, I think like, he's I think he's going to bounce back. But in this early part, he hasn't been great. Yeah, and, like, what we've seen from the Braves as far as a catching tandem, we have truly seen a 60-40 type deal. And, you know, usually I'll use uh, JT Ramuto, for example. He's catching 95% of the games for the Phillies. And on other days, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, if a guy feels comfortable with the backup catcher, start him. If JT absolutely needs a day off, Start the backup catcher. JT will even play first for you. 
at the end of the day, J.J. Ramuto is in games 95% of the time, which is really rare for a catcher. But what the Braves did, let's say Todd Flowers and Kurt Suzuki, if there was a lefty on the mound, Flowers is out there. Righty on the mound, Suzuki. Mm-hmm. Now, times have changed. Travis Tarno has caught literally all but like three games, I want to say. I think you're right about that. Yeah, he's, um, got a, he's got a bit of a heavy workload so far to start the year, and I don't think he's used to that. Yeah, no, no, not at all. I mean, because if you're looking at that, that's roughly – that's going to be roughly 15 16% uh, of the games he hasn't. So you're looking at 85% of the games he's played, and if he does that throughout the entire season, you're talking about – geez, you're talking about 140 games out of the 162. Yeah, that's a, that's up there with real Mute. And and people like Yadier Molina as well. That's just a load. Oh, yes. I, well, don't, I, I don't think that'll continue. I, I agree. Yeah. I don't think it will. I it, think we're going to need some, some William Contreras sprinkled in there. Oh, dude, he's got such a high upside. Yeah. Um, looking at the Darnett's baseball reference page, his career high in games – 17, that year he he slashed 244, 293, and 443 for a 735 OPS. I would not mind that. I don't know if he's going to catch 112 games, but he may catch more. You know, I if mean, he can provide say, that, I'll take it. Right, because 112, I mean, uh, if you look at 112 games, that's right at two-thirds of the games, and that's what really kind of what y'all are talking about. It's a little bit more because you're talking about the 60-40, but, I mean, that's that's going to be 65-35. So, I mean, 66-33. So, I mean, shoot. That's going to be right at that threshold. From here on out, I'm I'm almost like 100% certain we will see Alex Jackson behind the plate when Enoa's pitching. And, I mean, if Enoa starts 25, 30 games, you know, roughly – that could make up for all the games that Darno doesn't catch, and I'm here for it. And exactly. even if it's a few, if it's a few short, like you said, bring up Contreras. You know, let Contreras, you know, get some major league experience, like he had. You know, if he had a cup of coffee in the uh, in the league last year. But yes, I really yes. want to see Contreras uh, mature in uh, minor leagues this year. Absolutely, because him and him and Langleyers are going to be our ten in the future. And I um, am ready for that one. Oh, me too. Because I think I think y'all are on a very very good idea right there. Because like you said, the average for um, pitchers, I think the average starter that for all 162 games is like 29 starts. So we'll say 30 round up. Because your heavier your heavier load guys, they normally get about 32, 33, and uh, so we'll say 30. So now you're looking at 130 games for him. You call up. Uh, Call up Contreras later in the season. He may get ten games. So now you're looking at one twenty for uh, Darno, and I think that's a I think that's very very reasonable. That's a great very good for him. And, and I think that'll help him with those offensive numbers that we talked about. So, Agreed. So the catchers as a whole off to a slow start, but I think we'll see them improve. I agree. Uh, one one other negative. Uh, the only other one that we have on here for me. I've definitely seen this throughout the season. I'm sure you all have too, is the inconsistency from the pitching staff as a whole and notably the bullpen. Yeah, I agree. 
because we were t- um because we were all so excited about the starters. I know I was. I was super excited about the starters coming this year for signing signing the two guys that we signed and then having Freed who just came off that great season and then maybe uh Bryce Wilson would be in the rotation and we're gonna get Soroka back and then it just kinda that first series it was just kind of a slap in the face, I guess. And it this wasn't near as what uh, I had thought. Yeah, I was excited about this rotation for sure because, I mean, we've just got, you know, Freed hopped off. He popped off, dude. And then, like you said, Soroka coming back. I was expecting Soroka in maybe May, but obviously that's not going to happen now. But Morton, Morton's pitching like, I mean, 37-year-olds usually don't pitch this good, but, boy, is he open some eyes. But we're being negative right now, and, one guy I can't stand bringing out is Luke Jackson. I'm sorry, oh, Luke, if you hear this, if you hear this, Luke, dude, I love you for being a brave, but please cut down on your walks, dude. Yeah, it's not just him there. The Braves are yeah. have 71 walks. I think that's in the in the top 10 for most walks. That's definitely and something that can't continue. I like to pick on Luke Jackson because affectionately I call him Puke Jackson, and. <laughs> To be honest, he's got seven walks. But guess who has six walks? Will Smith, AJ Mitchell, Tyler Magic, Nate Jones. They also have six. But for, what gets me off about Luke Jackson is his lack of strikeouts. He's got that, like, wipeout slider, the neighborhood-friendly slider man. But <laughs> he just hasn't been able to control it. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm rooting for the guy. So, Open, uh, hoping it gets better for him and the bullpen as a whole. The I Braves agree. are. Go ahead, Chase. Oh no, I was just, I was just telling Dexter. I agree. I just, I want this bullpen to show up like they kind of did later in the season last year. Yeah, we we know they have the potential there. So, uh, the Braves. Just a few quick stats here before we move on to team builds. Since we're since we're being negative, the Braves are twenty six in team ERA. Ninth worst in homers giving up, and they have the third most pitches per inning, and that's something that can be really taxing on the staff. So that's something that we need to see improve through the year. And that's something that last one, the third most pitches per inning, that is something that brings back memories of um, faulty. And I know Dex, that's the last name Dex wants to hear right now. But in two thousand in two thousand eighteen, Mike. Faulty. He had uh, a 2.87 ERA, but he he had the highest pitch count in the entire league, and he only averaged like six point something innings a game. And I remember watching games, and Faulty's dealing, and then he gets to the sixth inning, and he already has a hundred pitches, and he gives up three uh, three runs right there. And it's like, my goodness, if that didn't happen, you have a low two ERA, and the same thing goes for the rest of the for all the pitchers this year. You're sitting here, you could be through the first three innings going good. Fourth inning hits, you already have 75 pitches, and you start giving out early. Sixth inning hits, you have 90, 100 pitches, and then it's just a downhill slide from there. Well, now that Chase has gone on his rant about Fulty, how about we hop into these team builds? I agree. I'm here for it. Yeah, and just wrapping up, wrapping up Braves talk, you know, we're 9-10, and 10, and I heard a sound – like a soundbite from Dansby, he said the other day if Acuna wasn't doing what he was doing, we'd probably be like 
two and eleven right now, so <laughs> it could be a lot worse. And I know that's a cliche, but Braves, you know, we're we'll be fine. Long One season. thing that I think is somewhat of a plus is the Braves are now tied for second in the NL East at being nine and ten with the Phillies. And with that being said, I mean, the Braves started 0-4 and, and the Phillies started 4-0 and we're at the same spot. So I know we were all kind of frustrated to start the season out, but like it's what everybody says, the most cliche thing in baseball, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. So we just got to wait it out because this team, they know how to turn it around. That is right. So now we'll get into our team build. And so this week's team build, is players who are six foot three or taller. Me and Chase have Chase. Me and Chase have got our list together, and Samuel is going to vote on who has the better team. Chase, would you like to kick us off? Uh, sure. Do you want to go? Want me to go through my whole thing, or do you want to? Uh, you want to do? Uh, let's go. Let's go position by position. Let's go one good. through. Let's go one through nine. So let's start with the pitcher. So y'all both give yours, and I'll I'll make a comment on that. All right. So um, for my pitcher, so the criteria was that be six three or taller, a uh, position player, or six five or taller as a pitcher. Yeah. And I know what everybody's thinking, but I went with Big Bob Gibson. And the reason I say that is because he has a career ERA of 2.91, and he has a career whip of 1.18, 3,279 strikeouts, two Cy Youngs, one MVP, nine gold gloves, and in the modern era, he has uh, one of the best ERAs in a single season. In 1968, he had an ERA of 1.12. And that was the year that he won. Uh, he won a Cy Young unanimously, and he won the MVP. Um, are we thinking of the same Bob Gibson? Yeah, like the big guy for uh, did the big guy look, for the. Did you look up his height? No, you're thinking of the one from the '80s. The one that played at uh, that played at St. Louis was yeah. six foot eight or nine. I, like, I don't think. I think you're wrong on this one. The Bob in October of this past year. Don't tell me I've gotten this wrong. Uh, We're going to have a disqualification here. Oh, my gosh. I'm thinking of the wrong person. You're right. He's only six foot one. Bob Gibson was six one, six two at the best. (laughs) I was looking at his stats. (laughs) You did did have the Bob Gibson who – he did have a 1.12 ERA in 1967 yeah, or whatever. Always... Hold up. You know why? why because the I... mound used to be tall. Why? Okay, then, yeah, that threw me off. <laughs> I thought that he was always like six foot eight. Never mind. All right, well, that's just so, so the good thing about having nine positions here is it's never going to end in an even vote. So I'm just going to give a point for every position. Right, and one of y'all is going to come out on top. So this point will automatically go to Dexter, but right. we'll let him give his pitcher first. As Chase mentioned, um, everyone's thinking. Right. So I did not go with that. I went with a more, to me, an emotional pick. He used to be a Braves farmhand before we shipped him off to the St. Louis Cardinals. And that is Adam. Oh, my goodness. Adam Wainwright. I can't speak. Adam Wainwright. He is has a 40.5. 
career war, and that's not the best. It's not the worst. He's got four-year career array, and he's all foot seven, and he is massive. I'm just kind of amazed that you went with Adam Wainwright as the best six-five or over pitcher of all well, time. As I mentioned, you know, everyone was thinking the big. If unit. Bob Gibson was over six five, Dexter, I'm afraid this one would have to go to Chase. I'm just glad but, I fact checked him. <laughs> I'm glad you are too, because my goodness, I was 19 and some odd months old when I realized that he was only six foot one. Well, <laughs> there you go. Dexter goes with Wayno and. Um, if Bob Gibson could have grown another few inches, that would have worked well for Chase. But uh, point number one goes to goes to Dexter. So let's move on to catcher. This one might have been an interesting one here. Uh, yeah, I went with, and I know because I I looked this one up. The six foot four Joe Maurer, uh, for catcher. He had twenty one hundred hits, three point oh six uh, career batting average. Only 932 RBIs, but he had a 124 OPS plus, an MVP, three gold gloves, five uh, – I almost said short socks because I have it labeled as SS – silver soldiers, <laughs> and three batting titles. And uh, the one thing that I would say just kind of puts Maurer over the – just a little bit more over the top right there is um, the fact that he was the Twins when they were awful in the late 2000s and early 2010s and, like, mid-2000s. Mm-hmm. I, I love that pick, actually. So, De- Dexter, who do you have? Well, my guy has something Joe Maurer doesn't have, and that's the Hall of Fame. My pick <laughs> at the catcher position is Carlton Fisk. Oh, Ooh, that's a good one. He is six foot three, two hundred pounds. Pretty big catcher, and we all know catcher is usually a smaller position. But he had a one seventeen career OPS plus. As I mentioned, he's in the Hall of Fame, eleven time All Star, a Gold Glove winner, three time Silver Slugger, and he won the nineteen seventy two Rookie of the Year in the AEL. These are two two great picks here. Uh, applause to both of y'all. And also, Chase, there's a sentimental value for uh, Joe Maurer with the back-to-back MLB The Show covers in 10 and 11. That's right. Oh, my God. The first the first two games of the show that I ever played. So, that being said, I do have to give this one to Dexter again. Darn it. Simply because Carlton Fisk was absolutely dominant at his position and what he did. And he did it until he was 45. He was an all-star at age 43 with the White Sox, which was pretty amazing. And, yes, he did probably DH some. But (laughs) still, that's just just amazing. And, you know, it's funny. You talk about, like when you said, large catchers with Maurer being 6'4 and Fisk being 6'3. I mean, you look at the greatest catchers of all time. And I think Johnny Bench was like six foot flat, but Yadier Molina is listed at five eleven. Pudge was listed at five nine. Um, Yogi Berra, I think, was only like five foot. He was eight. short. Yeah, he was so short. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe Gary Gary Carter might have been a tall guy. No, Yogi uh, Berra. I would have picked him. He's, uh, Gary Carter was six foot two. I would I would have gone with him, but he's, he's, he's under there criteria well 
that was a that was a fantastic uh, job from both of you on on the catcher position. I wish I could give both of you a point because in so. my mind, Joe Mauer is a Hall of Famer too. I but, I think um, he is too, and I think he will end up being one. But who knows? Anyway, moving on to Damn. the number three, first base. Who do y'all got? Dexter, how about you start? Yeah, I'm glad I'm starting because I think we may have the same person. I guarantee you, we do. <laughs> well, this person has played. Not only first base, but third base and left field. But yeah, he, I has. he has the most career appearance, more career appearances at first base, and that is Miguel Cabrera. Oh, never mind. No. Oh wow. Okay. Well, Miguel Cabrera is six foot four, massive man. He is a two-time MVP, won the triple, seven silver slugger, four batting titles. Pretty rare for uh, a first baseman winning a winning a batting title and a career 147 career OPS plus. That's astronomical for the OPS plus there. It is unreal. Um, and he's still Chase. Active. Chase, who do you have? I'm I'm thinking of one guy that I thought one of y'all might have had. So this is to me my favorite player of all time, and arguably the greatest right-handed hitter ever. Or definitely one of them. Not the greatest because of um, because of Hank Aaron. But in our oh, generation, yeah. he's the best hitter. So I went with Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. 3,248 hits, 665 home runs, 2,109 RBIs. All of them are records by a Dominican-born player. A 145 OPS plus, a two-time World Series champ, rookie of the year, three-time MVP, two gold gloves, Two silver sluggers, a batting title, and an NLCS MVP. Now that is the guy that I was thinking of. <laughs> Do what? He that only is the guy that I was sluggers? thinking of. That's what I said. He has six silver sluggers, two gold gloves. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So we'll say Miguel. Miguel Albert Pujols. They called him the machine. La Machina. And both of these guys are machines, Miggy and Pujols. Absolutely. But Albert was just on another level for the first few years of his career. From 2006 to 2009, those four seasons, he led the major leagues in OPS three times. Oh, and I'll do you one better. His first 10 seasons in the MLB from 2001 to 2010, he hit over 300 every time. I just know that off the top of my head. That is amazing. Here's a fun fact about Miguel Cabrera. (laughs) In 2012, he won the AL Triple Crown. He led the league in home runs, RBI, and batting average. Despite that, he did not have a thousand OPS. Are you serious? It is nine, nine, nine. I'll be dogged. Wow. I told you it was a fun fact. Well, both of y'all had some great picks here. But I think this will tell the story and will give you my pick. Miguel Cabrera's career war, although nice, it is only 69. <laughs> and Albert, Albert Pujols has a career 99.8 war. Oh, my gosh. That so is pretty good, folks. <laughs> point number three goes to Chase. It is now two to one Dexter. And let's move on to second base. I oh, can tell minutes. you a thousand percent. <laughs> Go ahead and give neither of us this point because, folks, in case you didn't already you know, there are a total of one six foot three or taller second base. 
ever. Ever, ever. When we dug dirt pretty deep, and this guy happens to be active, and he's baseball team in the league. That's David John LeMahieu. Are either of you on? Are either of you on his baseball reference page right now? I can pull it up right now. No, no, nobody, don't pull it up. Okay, I'll scroll scroll up to the top. I'm off. Or just get off of it. Yeah, I'm off. Who? Did DJ LeMayhew, what team did he make his de- MLB debut with? Chicago Cubs. Is that it? I know that for a fact. Yeah, because the earliest I can remember is the Rockies. Dexter got it right. Yes, it the Chicago sir. Cubs. Let's go. So, <laughs> I think we're not going to give that point to anybody yet, but if it does get to a tiebreaker point and it's 4-4, four to four, then Dexter will win the tiebreaker. Because he knew that. Yeah, that's only fair. That's so, knowledge because right he knew his tall second baseman a little bit better, then um, then we'll give it to him. But DJ LeMahieu, solid player, all-star on and off for, for Colorado and New York, really good hitter. But um, he's he's nothing nothing too extraordinary. So, Right, I agree. He is one of the – uh, true contact hitters in the game, which is getting rarer and rarer each year. Fun yep. fact about DJ Mayhew: in 2017, he had the only live series card that hit 99 on a contact. Not even uh, not even Mike Trout's did. Um, he had a live series upgrade where he was playing up, and he went from an 88 to a 91 or something like that. And his uh, his contact versus lefties was 99, and his contact versus righties was 94. And I know this because he was my second baseman literally the entire year. <laughs> Chase referencing the greatest Fun game facts from Chase Crane. MLB The Show. Shout yeah. out, MLB The Show. Sponsor us. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move it across the diamond to the hot corner. Chase, who do you have as your number one third baseman of all time, six through your taller? Um, well – I hate to break it to you, Samuel, but me and Dexter might have the same guy here. Um, oh, we so do. I know we do. Yeah, so <laughs> we have the great Chipper Jones um, <laughs> with 2,726 hits, 468 home runs, 1,623 RBIs, and a 141 OPS plus. And the 468 home runs is the most ever by a switch hitter. And then obviously – Wait, 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 wait. I thought Mickey Mantle had more. Fact check him. Oh, oh, that, I, oh, that's right. I always forget Mickey. Yeah, no, I know that Mickey Mantle has like five hundred and sixty something. He's right. Mickey, I always forget he's a switch. Mickey hitter. Mantle has five thirty six. Anyway, Chipper anyway. Jones is great. Right. Another because fun fact about we Chipper. all know. Oh, sorry, Dexter. So he is the only switch hitter that has a slash line of three hundred, four hundred on both sides of the plate. I never had. That That's is amazing. Unreal. So his MVP came in '99, didn't it? Um, I believe it was earlier. It, it was no, 99. it was '99. Although he was not an All Star. That's ridiculous. Second half hero, baby. He yeah, was not an All Star, and he won MVP. Wow, I, I would love to hear how many times that has happened. That can't be a lot. And then the World Series champ is rookie year '95, two times Silver Slugger, and a batting title in 2008. Was it eight when he hit the three sixty eight? 
It uh, was 2008. He hit 364. 364. That's it. And also the a, year before, he led the majors in OPS in 2007. That dude's bat never cooled off. In his he last two over years, every year. his last two years, he ended with all stars. And usually, we see that with a lot of uh, players that a lot of fans like because it is on fan vote. But that does not take away from how great Chipper Jones was in his career. Oh, and wasn't Chipper the first ever number one overall draft pick to be uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame? You know what? I think I have to check is. that, but I think you're right. Yeah, because I remember that being a big deal. Yeah, and the draft me. is much different than the other major sports. You're not. Also, too. can we can we just point out that one year Chipper Jones hit 45 bombs in, in his his MVP year, and it. There was the the second most he ever hit was thirty eight. I mean, <laughs> I know we might crazy. be shade biased, but it'd be I'd be hard pressed to find anybody better than him at the hot corner all time. And also, I mean, there's only a couple who come to mind that would Mike even be Schmitt. close. I thought Mike about Schmitt. it, but he is mm-hmm. not six three at all. <laughs> Another fun fact and fun fact about Chipper, we're not biased at all. We we know he's a great player, and um. In 93, he only played eight games. Other than that year, he never hit less than double-digit homers. That is crazy. And he played for a long time. <laughs> a very long time. And he also had he also never had less than an 800 OPS, I believe. My goodness. That, that's, that's just unreal. And he played until he was 40, so – I guess that's enough gallivant about Chipper, though. (laughs) Anyway, we all love Chipper Jones. All my homies love Chipper Jones. Anyway. (laughs) Well, good thing with us both having Chipper, I don't think we'll have to go to that tiebreaker. I know. It's going to be odd now. All right, so it's still two to one, Dexter, and we have shortstop and the three outfields left. So, Dexter, how about your shortstop? I'm going to keep this short. I'm not proud of this pick, but he is six foot three, and that's how it's under you guys. He's a steroids, and he's a cheater, and I don't like him. That's all. Chase. Hey, Rod. Yes. <laughs> I have uh, I have Cal Ripken Jr. 30, 3,184 hits, 431 home runs, 1,695 RBIs. A kind of lackluster 112 OPS. Obviously, he's the Ironman of baseball, rookie of the year. Two-time MVP, 1983 uh, World Series champ, two gold gloves, eight silver sluggers, and the most important thing is he's the better Ripken brother. Well, I'm going to go with Cal Ripken here for a couple of reasons. Number one, because it's A-Royd on the other end of this. (laughs) Um, I'm not proud of it. (laughs) Number two, because said A-Royd also played a lot of his games at third base in New York. Um, and he's listed as a shortstop and third baseman. I, I realize that. Sure he has more appearances as a shortstop. I realize that. But he also reason. played a lot of games at third. And oh. I just don't like him either. Cal Ripken, <laughs> great for baseball. <laughs> great for baseball. Great dude. Iron Man. I mean, you, you can't not like the guy. That's the truth. So, Point to Cal Ripken Jr. there and to Chase, and it's tied up two to two as we head to the outfield. I'm Left about fielders, to smoke you with the outfield. Well, let, let's I let Chase go first. 
So my left fielder is borderline six foot three. And fun fact, he was born on the same day I was, um, 83 or no, 63 years before I was. Same guy as me. Yep. So that would be Senior Ted Williams, the (laughs) greatest hitter of all time. 2654 hits, 521 home runs, 1839 RBIs, a astounding 192 OPS plus two MVPs, two triple crowns, six batting titles. One of them being his infamous 406 season or not his infamous, his famous infamous. is I mean, <laughs> That is not a bad thing. <laughs> and yes, I have the same guy in left field. All right. How could I pick anybody else? I know. I mean, come on now. Here's, here's a chance for a second tiebreaker right here. Okay. Just in case. I'm going to count down from three, and I want you to each tell me his nickname. All right? I'm going to give you a few seconds to think about it. His most well-known nickname. All right. right? Let me know when you all have it. I got it, I think. Teddy Ballgame. Yeah, Teddy Ballgame. All right, well, that's – Dexter said it first, but – That's one of them. That's not the one I was thinking of. All right. Let's see which one of you can get it first. Just spout it out whenever you think of it. With his name being Ted, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is maybe some – This this is an alliterative nickname. Actually, there's there's two that I'll take here. I couldn't tell you. I don't know, like Mr. Red Sox. One of them he may have shared with Ken Griffey Jr. The kid? Kid. Chase gets it. Dang. <laughs> the the one I was looking for originally was the Splendid Splinter. Now that you say that, I feel like I've heard that before. I'm mm. sure you have. So now the tiebreaker is tied one to one, and the overall is tied two to two, and we only have two more spots. So we'll see we if Dexter's outfield is as famous, as famously hyped up as he said. Dexter, hit us with your center fielder. It's center field. He is six foot three, played for the Montreal Expos. All right, we got the same two. We got the same. Are you serious? Yep. (laughs) Gosh. Andre Dawson. (laughs) Yep, Andre Dawson. Wow. Eight gold gloves, four silver sluggers, a 119 career OPS plus, Hall of Famer, and well-known, apparently. Anything I mean, you want to add on Andre Dawson? Center field is just it was slim pickings. There was some dude that was six foot seven that Aaron Judge tied the record with, like those three games that he started center, but he wasn't worth a crap. So I mean <laughs> uh he was rookie of the year and MVP is the only other thing I have to add. I mean, that's about all I all I can uh see. I would have Joe DiMaggio is six two. And I I, for about, some, I'm glad I checked it too because I I put Mike Trout down not thinking because for some reason I was thinking he was six four and I'm glad I did because he was only six two. All right, we'll uh we'll see if anybody can get this right field and if not I'll come up with another tiebreaker. All righty, all right, Chase, who is your right fielder? I have the father of what everybody wants to be a young phenom in right field. Vlad Senior, he was six foot four. Let me check that. He might have only been six three, but I know he met it. All right, breaking news: we do not have the same right fielder. 
mess I'm talking about. We're going to have a winner it's, right here. He was 6'3", 235. So, Vlad Sr. had 2,590 hits, 449 home runs, 1,496 RBIs, a very, very good and a lot higher than I thought, 140 OPS, an MVP, and eight silver sluggers and about 27 different teams. No, he only had four, never mind. So, so Vlad, and he's a Hall of Famer. Vlad had about the same OPS plus as Chipper Jones in his career. That's crazy. That's amazing. That's weird to think about. And Albert Pujols. Pujols is, was, uh, I have it right here, was only 145. I say only lightly. <laughs> what do you know? Dexter? All right. My right fielder is bigger than yours. And I think he's better personally. He's six foot six. 220 pounds, Dave Winfield. Oh. <laughs> he has a career 130 OPS plus. Not as good as Vlad Senior, but we'll, we'll let it slide. Seven gold gloves, six silver sluggers, 465 career homers. He's a member of the 3,000 hit club. Dave Winfield. Wow. Okay, this is a tough one right here. I mean, I both of these he guys. was that big. Oh my gosh! I'm. This might come down to how good of a defender both of these guys are. But honestly, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> See, Dave Winfield, he had that insane peak for like five or six years with the Padres and the Yankees, where he was up in the 150s, 160s, and OPS plus. Mm-hmm. But Vlad was so good for his whole career until like the very the last couple years. So I got the fielding right here. Uh, Winfield is too old. I don't want to. So I will go with his uh, his total zone. Winfield's total zone. <laughs> yikes! Was a ninety negative ninety two. <laughs> Oh, goodness. <laughs> and uh, Vlad, that's a C, not a B. Vladimir Guerrero, we'll just to keep it the same, even though he does have some uh, DRS in there. Vlad's total zone was nice, 69. <laughs> well, how did I choke this away? <laughs> I think it's not necessarily Dave, over. Dave Winfield, he did play for longer, but he only had five more war. His OPS plus was only 122 for his career. Statistically, I'm going to have to go with Vladimir Guerrero. And Chase is going to take this first win in the team build three to two. <laughs> After I choked away the pitcher, because I my whole life I thought Bob Gibson was massive. Unfortunate. Wow. <laughs> That was that was a fantastic job from both of you. I, I really enjoyed that. So now y'all will get to critique me. <laughs> hey, I'm Maybe. ready for it. I'm honestly most proud of my Joe Maurer pick. That too was that was really nice. Too even though he didn't win the, the position. <laughs> so <laughs> so what I have for for the list of the week is not the seven most underrated players, but seven of the most underrated players in baseball. So there may be there may be more underrated people, but these are the ones that I chose that stick out to me. And is this active underrated players? Or? This is active. This okay. is current underrated players. So the very first one that I wanted to uh, 
to give credit where credit is due is Mark Canna. This dude hits, and nobody recognizes it. His career OPS plus is 118, and Dave Winfield's was 122. He slugged 500 in 2019. And for a frame of reference, Francisco Lindor's career OPS plus is 117. Dang. Dude, yeah, I feel like no one's ever heard of this man, but. Yeah, I know. And uh, I'll give you another one right here. Vlad uh, Senior's uh, career slugging is, is only 553. Uh, that's pretty hot. <laughs> and Canna, the thing about him is he's on the athletics, and it's kind of an, an overlooked team overall. But I agree. he'll play all over the outfield, and he plays first. And he's just wow. – Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a team in Oakland, you know, that a lot of their guys get overlooked, whether it was Matt Chapman or Matt Olson, Ramon Laureano. And honestly, Canada gets buried in the shuffle of even those guys. So that's one guy I definitely wanted to uh, to give some service to. Now, my number two guy, you may think at first, like, this guy gets a lot of attention. But really, if you think about how often he, he gets put on the, the national scale, it's not often. That's Paul Goldschmidt. Huh. Hmm. A really good player, perennial all-star, career 250 homers, 141 OPS plus as a first baseman. So, Dang. what's y'all's opinion on Paul Goldschmidt? Um, like... I've always thought that um, – I would say in the last couple of years, I think Freddie has overtaken him. But, like, say 2018 and before, I've always thought that him and Freddie were the same person. One was right-handed, one was left-handed. That's I true. think a lot of people have always compared them, plus throwing Anthony Rizzo in there. Yes. Also, true. yeah, I mean, I mean, you're honestly right because Freddie's career OPS plus is 138, so they're very similar there. Wow, Gold and their batting better. stances too is also a thing I was getting at. They look so much alike, just like it's like almost like they're mirrored because one's a righty, one's a lefty. Um, look, the thing about Goldschmidt, it's like he was always overlooked as a Diamondback. Then in the winter of 18, they traded him to St. Louis for basically the Diamondbacks' current roster, <laughs> Carson Kelly, Luke Weaver, Andrew Young, and a 2019 draft pick. But either way, um, I feel like that got Goldschmidt because obviously he went out of Arizona, which is just a – I mean, just an, an oak. Not a great place to be. <laughs> Not at even all. good, really. You know. But uh, so that kind of kind – of, Gave him some more motivation to be good. I mean, he's always been good, but like now he's got better guys around him, especially his across the time and teammate. That's pretty insane, Perry. Yeah. So, do y'all think Paul Goldschmidt is underrated or not? Um. Um, Yes, I do. Yeah. I was just saying yes. You can elaborate. Okay. Yeah. First base is an interesting position because. Our boy, shout out Freddie Freeman. He's the best by a long shot at everything. To be second place to someone like Freddie Freeman is a hard thing to do because of how good Freddie Freeman is. And maybe I'm a little biased, but I mean, he's my first baseman. But um, if you got guys like Rizzo, Goldschmidt, 
Goldsmith's the second best in the league. But at the same time, I do think he's very – he lives in the shadow of Freddie Freeman. That's no disrespect to Goldsmith. I just think Freddie Freeman's just that good. I think we both agree with you. No bias, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at <laughs> – um, like I'm trying to find uh, – I think it was the 2020 top first baseman, the list of that. Um, they had Freddie at number one. And I think Goldschmidt was like four or something like that. And you're sitting there thinking, well, shoot fire. He's in the top five. And which, wow, that is great. Um, It's just kind of the fact that outside, like when you get away from Freddie and now Jose Abreu after winning uh, the MVP last year of the AL, when you get outside of them too, people just don't really look at first base anymore. I mean, just to be quite honest. Fun fact about Paul Goldschmidt that I definitely didn't realize is he has finished top three in MVP voting three times, including two runner-ups. Runners up. Wow. Wow. I did not even know that. I was the one researching. He was an all-star in 18. Now, he wasn't an all-star in 19 or 20. Now, granted, 20, there's no all-star game. 19, I'm pretty sure Freddie and Rizzo got the first base in the National League. So, Goldschmidt, you know, he's on a good team now. The Cardinals, they're going to run away with the NL Central. I can almost guarantee you that. I, I agree 100%. And him and Arenado, I think Arenado's going to make Goldschmidt better, either or Goldschmidt giving Arenado protection, vice versa. You can honestly flip-flop them. Exactly. All right. After uh, all that Paul Goldschmidt talk, here's a guy from the American League, Rafael Devers. Young dude. Oh, yes. I, in my opinion, a future perennial all-star. He had 54 doubles in 2019, and he's still only 24. Um, In 2019, didn't he? Yes, he hit 311. He had his breakout year that year. And – um. I thought it was, uh, yeah, like you said, 54 doubles. That's unreal. And this year, his average is taking a step down. But, I mean, I know it's early, but he's a 143 OPS plus this year. Um, I definitely agree on this because I've always followed the Red Sox. They've always been my favorite AL team. But um, when he was coming up, he just he had a lot of stuff on the bright side. And I think he's starting to come into that. And like I said, that 2019 was just his breakout year. I mean, 201 hits, 54 doubles, four uh, triples, 32 home runs, 115 RBIs. He I mean, actually led the league in total bases in 2019. He did, yeah, with 359. I mean, he in 2019, he kind of put the Red Sox on his back with a struggling JD and um, – and Mookie Betts was uh, Mookie Betts was doing fine, but JD was struggling. So I mean, it was really the the Mookie and uh, Raphael show, and he did a dang good job of it. And he's a career system Boston Red Sox signed as an international free agent in 2013. And you know, long term, I don't think he's a third baseman, but until you know they can find a spot over there for him. He's going to be a third baseman. And like you said, small sample, 143 OPS plus right now in the 2021 season. He's on a team that is hungry, to say the least, Boston Red Sox. Such a storied franchise. And they 
but not picked by too many people to do this good. And I know, like I said, small sample size, but if the Red Sox keep playing like they're playing, good thing you're going to have them. I mean, they're coming into today, they're on a 13-game win streak. And right here, you got to love baseball reference. It has his 162-game average right here. And his average for a 162-game season is 178 hits, 43 doubles, two triples, 32 home runs, 107 RBIs, and a 278 average with an 833 OPS. I mean, and he I, he just never really gets talked about, honestly. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's the one guy that I really, especially at third base, such a such a premium offensive position, he just gets overlooked. So recognition where it is due with Rafael Devers. Number four, I have Trent Grisham for the Padres. This dude mm-hmm. raked in 2020. He's raking in 2021. He won a gold glove. He had 10 stolen bases in 60 games last year. He just does everything. That he does, my goodness. Trent Grisham faced a lot of adversity. You talk about something that's infamous, the 2019 wild card game between the Brewers and the Nationals. Oh, was that him that the ball went he under his glove? He was in right field, and he absolutely booted a ball. That I'm not a major leaguer, but boy, did that look not that hard. Oh, jeez. That ended up that winning the Nationals a World Series. And you know, see, the, the thing the is, Nationals still have to play ball, but that's I mean, what he's most remembered for right now. And it's unfortunate. I'm sorry to even bring it up, but at the at the end of the day, I'm 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 giving you see, him. You're, you're the, kind of making my point for I'm me. Giving him the credit. This man has a 189 OPS plus right now, 418 <laughs> OBP. Like, hello. <laughs> well, dude, like, I think gets, this dude is for real. And on a team like San Diego, uh, probably a mid market team. They're spinning like they're a big market with uh their left side of the infield, but. That left side of the infield, man, the whole infield, Cronenworth, you know, uh, Hosmer. Hosmer, yeah. Their whole infield say, is what gets Cronenworth, they didn't pay that much. <laughs> he's a beast, though. He's a legend. Shout out. Um, but Trent Grisham, he's got there. He won a silver, or he won a gold glove last year, and I don't think people remember that. Yeah, I don't think anybody does either because I sure the heck didn't. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll tell you right now, too, I mean, the one reason I say that he is underrated, other than the fact that his stats show, and he doesn't get any recognition because he's got a guy that's named Fernando Tatis Jr., is um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, is he gets the Bill Buckner treatment right now? I mean, that's just because that we let the is a I great mean, comparison. He gets the Bill Buckner treatment right now. I mean, let the ball roll under his glove like Buckner did in between his legs, and people aren't sitting here and looking at how good he did last year, how unreal he's doing right now. Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be a good player for years to come, in my opinion. And he is a young dude, too. Like, that season with the Brewers was his rookie year. True. He, he still has a, a while to go. He's only uh, – He's only 24, so I think he has a bright future. I um, think he does, too. I agree. Moving on to number five, one of my favorite pitchers. I know the Braves kind of destroyed him the other day when they were at Wrigley. <laughs> but Kyle Hendricks, he is a unappreciated ace for the Cubs. Don't his even co- get extra started. His yeah, career ERA plus 
is 133. Garrett right. Cole's career ERA plus is 129. Oh, jeez. In 2016? In 2016, he had an ERA plus of 196 and a regular ERA of 213. I mean, that's just insane. And nobody talks about him. And I mean, me and Dexter have talked about him so team. many times. Oh, yes, dude. He's literally the current day Greg Maddox. Okay. He's a, yes, he's a, I mean, I don't, this is going to sound so degrading, but it's because I'm comparing him to Greg Maddox. I mean, he's a poor man's Greg Maddox is what he is, and that's not a bad thing to be. They yeah, anything with Greg Maddox in the name. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, also, fun and, fact, his ERA, his career ERA plus did drop two points because of that start against the Braves. Man, he got chilled the other day. <laughs> because now it's 131. Anyway. I know we're talking about regardless of what play. happened the other day. <laughs> he got on a short list of nine players to allow four home runs in the first inning of a start. So, <clears throat> well, <laughs> it, anyway, he's he great. A, he's underrated. He, he is he's a champ. He was a great part of that 2016 rotation. I loved watching that Cubs team win that World Series. He doesn't walk anybody. He. Ironically, he doesn't allow many home runs career-wise, only .9 home runs per nine. His career whip is 1.1. Fifth looks pretty good at 3.6. I mean, there's really nothing to hate about the dude. And as a a fellow uh, slow thrower, I definitely appreciate him. (laughs) (laughs) Who won NL Cy Young in 26? Oh, Mad Max did. Never mind. <laughs> You're trying to see if Hendricks got snubbed. Well, I can't well, go. He got third. Max he didn't even get second. Yeah, who got second? I'm gonna, gonna look at the. This. I'm gonna look it up. NL Cy Young, John Lester, his fellow teammate. Wow, he got second. To be fair, John Lester had a two four four in 202. He yeah, John Lester probably did deserve second. That 2016 Cubs team. Had everything going for him. Jake Arrieta came in ninth. Wow, three top ten signs. That's crazy. Dang, Johnny Cueto was six. All right, I'm getting off on a tangent because I'm looking at the picture numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and I just well, I, I, I do have stats. another picture here next. If you want some more pitching stats, these next oh. two are not as high profile as the first five, but I do I, think they deserve some recognition. So, number six is Herman Marquez for the Rockies. Old German. So, last year, he led the league at innings pitched, which is huge for a Rocky. And pitching in Colorado, he only gives up a career 1.2 homers per nine. That, now, that's unreal. And that is, that's really crazy, especially with that altitude out there, man. Came in fifth in rookie of the year voting in 2017. He won a silver slugger, too. <laughs> mm-hmm, 2018, that's what I'm talking about. Pitchers who can rake. But, I mean, <laughs> career 4.2 ERA in course. You know, this is a guy, I mean, in previous year's trade deadlines or off seasons, I would not have minded the Braves got a guy like this because, you know, career 421 ERA, you know, I'm going to give him, you know, the course treatment here, man. Like, a 421 yeah. course field, that's not even that bad. ERA you know? plus is park adjusted. Um, that's what the plus signifies. Right. Yeah. And 
and it's 118. So he's well above average. Right, and not to mention last year. being the league average. Right, and not to mention last year he had a 130, again, small sample size, but still had a 139 ERA plus last year and a, is right now has a 134. So, I mean, geez. he's right there, yeah. So he's he's a guy that I definitely enjoy watching, and I know Colorado appreciates him. So one of the one of the good things about that terrible team, absolutely. That, oh gosh, yes. That, the, the last guy I have on here, he's not having a good year so far, but I just never hear his name, and I wanted to give him a little bit of love, and that would be Aaron Hicks for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Now you may you may say, God, the guy's not that special. Career ninety eight OPS plus, but. Before 2021, from 2017 to 2020, his OPS plus was 122, 127, 102, and 122 again. And this dude also is great with his glove out there. Absolutely. Let's look at the old DRS for my man. I like looking at those stats for some reason. And he he does have a uh, 22nd place MVP finish to his ledger. So he has a DRS – Wow, in 2017, he had one as a total outfield of 15. Wow. That's nice. Well above that. Yeah, he, uh, he ended up playing three years for Minnesota. And, you know, that's a deep outfield out there. But uh, a guy named Byron Buxton kind of ran him out of town. Yeah. Um, no kidding. He, he got traded to the Yankees back in 2015 on Veterans Day. Fun fact, anyway. Um, yeah, you know – in New York, it's a big market. He didn't sign there as a free agent, but there's still it's still you know a big market, and there's guys like Judge and Stanton. And if if hitting home runs is what those two guys are known for, the second thing they're most known for is getting injured. That's... So guys like Craig Gardner and Aaron Hicks, they're gonna have to get out there and play. Would you like to hear? A most amazing stat of the day. It's about Aaron Hicks. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, background information. He has played 725 career games, 2,766 plate appearances. He has, over his entire career, 12 hit-by-pitches. Dang. He does not get hit-by-pitches. He's there to hit. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. This is no Michael Conforto type stuff here. No, get it. And the thing about Hicks is he's played all three outfield positions, but the past the past three or four years he's been the primary center fielder out there for the Yankees. And as I mentioned, you know they got they got their guys, their fans out there. You know if they maybe boots a ball, they're gonna give him crap about it. But at the end of the day, he's dependable, and he probably doesn't drop that many balls out there. So. I really like that pick. You know, he's a switch hitting center fielder, and he is dependable to say the least. And I know a switch hitting center fielder who uh, ended up being pretty good. Hmm. Well, that is all I have for my underrated players. I hope hope y'all enjoyed that one. I did. I thought that was a fantastic list. Myself. Yes, uh, seven guys who. Are at the end of the day, they are major league baseball players, and sometimes you're not wrong. That, that's, sometimes that's even guys that get to the major leagues get overlooked. And thanks to Samuel, now these guys got a little bit more love. 
Any closing remarks from the two of you? Um, no, not really. I, my only thing is going back to the Braves negatives. Just the only thing for me is I'd like to see some of those things get fixed and see this catching tandem pick up the slack a little bit. All right. I want to hear from both of y'all. Your player who you think will pop off this week. Dexter, who you got for the Braves? Um, let's see. I think, you know, if if Drew Smiley does start tomorrow, he is on track to start again. I like I'd like to see Drew Smiley make get two quality starts in this next week. I think all of us would love to see that. I agree a thousand percent. We all would love to see that one. Chase, you got somebody as your pick to click this week? Um, I would like to see, since it was only a two-game size, I would like to see Austin Riley be a little consistent, more consistent and keep up what he's doing. I'm not saying go – I'm not saying having home run frenzy or anything like he did back in 2019, but – um just to see him keep up this upward trend and try to get close to that 270 batting average. Oh, I'd love that myself. I think Austin Riley, this is his year. I'd love to see him hit it with around a, a 780, 800 OPS. You know, if he can continue walking like this, that'd be great. be fantastic. So, Drew Smiley and Austin Riley are two guys to watch for this week. Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got, man. This is gone for just now getting over an hour and a half. Fellas, I enjoyed it. Looking forward to putting these episodes out weekly. This has been the first episode of the Braves Rave podcast. Yes,